Howdy and welcome to the 10-week Bible study. This is week 9, day 1 of our study of Acts. I'm your host, Aaron Hibbs, and today we're talking about Acts 24, 1-27. Well, welcome back to the 10-week Bible study. Again, I'm your host, Aaron Hibbs. Would you join me as we pray before we start today? Lord, would you open our eyes and our ears to hear what your word has to say to us. God, speak to us and fill our hearts with the knowledge of you. We want to encounter you today in your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. With that, let's uh, jump into God's Word. We're we'll reading today from the NIV. This is Acts 24, starting in verse 1. Five days later, the uh, high priest Ananias went down to Caesarea with some of the elders and a lawyer named Tertullus, and they brought their charges against Paul before the governor. When Paul was called in, Tertullus presented his case before Felix. We've enjoyed a long period of peace under you, and your foresight has brought about reforms in this nation. Everywhere, and in every way, most excellent Felix, we acknowledge this with profound gratitude. But in order not to weary you further, I would request that you be kind enough to hear us briefly. So he's starting off with all these platitudes, right? The, the lawyer comes up, and he's trying to butter Felix up. <clears throat> I think in this case, maybe it works. I, I don't know. We'll see by the end of today's passage exactly how this is going to go for Paul. Verse 5. We have found this man to be a troublemaker, stirring up riots among the Jews all over the world. He is a ringleader of the Nazarene sect and even tried to desecrate the temple. So we seized him. By examining him yourself, you will be able to learn the truth about all these charges we are bringing against him. Those are really serious charges, and they, they knew... I think they knew they did not have any proof of that. I think the, the the Pharisees and the Sanhedrin, they probably really believed this, maybe. But, again, they have no way to prove this. And this is, this is really kind of how so many things in life work, right? Is, is you get so worked up about something that you don't even bother to investigate to find out the truth. So we live in a social media culture and world today where people, they, they, they scroll through their feeds and they see something that makes them angry and it gets you all charged up. And then lots and lots of people jump on those bandwagons, maybe a, a media article or something, and, and everybody gets really worked up and angry about it without actually slowing down to investigate if there's any truth in it. And that's, we see that's exactly what happened to Paul in that moment in the temple. They, they saw him. They had seen him earlier with some Gentiles, and so they assumed he brought them into the temple. They lose their minds. They start this riot. They're going to kill him multiple times. And, and now they're bringing him with all of this nonsensical charges because no one actually bothered to do any in, in investigation. And with, I think a, a lot of people think, well, you know, they were ignorant back then, but we're better than that today. We're not better. We're not better. How many times, if you're honest with yourself, how many times have you been on social media or somewhere else and you've seen something that makes you angry and you jump to the conclusion that that article or that post is trying to get you to jump to. And then you find out later that the, the, the thing that made you angry initially, the article, the post, whatever it was, was at least somewhat misleading or false or 180 degrees from the truth. How often does that happen? I know it's happened to me. 
I know it's happened to me and it in in learning those lessons, honestly, has been one of the things where I, I slowed down and I'm like, I'm not going to jump to the conclusion you want me to jump to here. I want to investigate this. I want to understand this. And that's something that that in, in my opinion, very few people in our society do today, and very few people in Paul's day did either. We I think there's something inside of us that enjoys this visceral angry response and 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 we like it and so we're not so bothered and I'm, I'm speaking of myself here I've seen this in me not so bothered by jumping to those conclusions but we need to slow down because what we're seeing here is exactly the same thing that we've seen play out through our society today and throughout all history is where we're not interested in the truth. We want to be angry about something. And that's exactly what's going on here. No one wanted to listen. They just want to be angry. Verse 9. The other Jews joined in the accusation, asserting that these things were true. When the governor motioned for him to speak, Paul replied, I know that for a number of years you have been a judge over this nation, so I gladly make my defense. You can easily verify that no more than 12 days ago I went up to Jerusalem to worship. My accusers did not find me arguing with anyone at the temple or stirring up a crowd in the synagogues or anywhere else in the city, and they cannot prove to you the charges they are now making against me. However, I admit that I worship the God of our ancestors as a follower of the way which they call a sect. I believe in everything that is in accordance with the law and is written in the prophets, and I have the same hope in God that these men themselves have, that there will be a resurrection of both the righteous and the wicked. So I strive always to keep my conscience clear before God and man. So Paul makes a very easy, compelling defense. I was there. I am a follower of this way, but all of these things they're saying, they're not true and they can't prove them. They're, they're, He's saying it's an all it's an all all fabrication in their minds, and they have no proof of any of it. So, pretty clear cut defense. Verse seventeen. <clears throat> After an absence of several years, I came to Jerusalem to bring my gifts, uh, my people, gifts for the poor, and to present offerings. I was ceremonially clean when they found me in the temple courts doing this. There was no crowd with me nor was I involved in any disturbance. Again, he's saying all of these things they're saying, they're untrue. I didn't desecrate the temple. I was ceremonial clean. I was doing all of the things that I'm supposed to do to be there. So he's saying all of these things that they're saying, they're untrue. And again, they can't prove that any of it is, but it's definitely false. Verse 19. But there are some Jews from the province of Asia who ought to be here before you and bring charges if they have anything against me. Or these who are here should state what crime they found in me when I stood before the Sanhedrin, unless it was this one thing that I shouted as I stood in their presence. It is concerning the resurrection of the dead that I'm on trial before you today. Now remember, that's after he's brought back out. He speaks of the Sanhedrin. And, and he knows that the Pharisees and the Sadducees are going to fight over this. So he says this, and then that causes them to turn violent again. I mean, like petulant little children. They, they lose their minds. Now, again, I want to go back to us today. We can read this 
And as we've we've seen this situation unfold, it seems insane. Like the whole thing is just nuts. It's all false pretenses and 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 prejudicial anger on the part of the Sanhedrin against the Christians and just so many different things are going on here. They hate Paul because he's actually quite good and eloquent at at, at articulating the gospel. He was, you know, one of them and he kind of turned and that made them mad. And so this whole thing seems insane, but how often, how many times a day can we probably look through our news feed, look on, on social media, look on the, the legacy media news and find the very same things happening day in and day out, especially when it comes to politics in the United States and the West. There's all of these people. Nobody is interested in the truth. They're interested in shoring up their narrative, shoring up what they want to believe to be true. And they're not really interested in investigating what's true. In all of the book of Acts, so far what we've seen is there was one city where the synagogue in that city, where they were interested in hearing what Paul had to say and then investigating it. And that was in the, the, the Greek city of Berea. Everywhere else, there's this prejudicial understanding. No, you know, that can't be true. And Paul, you must be false. And, and everywhere they go, and it's the one place, the one place. And so much so that, you know, nowadays as Christians, we call ourselves, how, you know, how can we be good Bereans? Where it means we're investigating what's true and, and looking into the scriptures to find out if it's true. Uh, being a Berean is, is associated with being someone who is actually interested in the truth <clears throat> and I think we need to, to take from this an understanding that, that everything we've seen, there's always this, this prejudice against something new, against something that challenges the way that we think. <clears throat> Especially when it comes to our understanding of God. And, 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 and we react in this visceral nation, nature. And so to all the people in the book of Acts, except for this one town, so often we want to associate ourselves with the Bereans. How can we do that? But I think what's a, a more apt question is in what ways are we everyone else besides the Bereans? In what ways am I someone who jumps to conclusions that I'm, I'm pushed to jump to? In what ways do I fall on the wrong side of these things? And how can I be someone who is interested in the truth? How can I be that person that's interested in the truth and then I can actually look through the scriptures and evaluate these things based on reading through the scripture. That's who we need to be. That's one of the things that I think is so powerful about the 10-week Bible studies. I'm encouraging you to read the book of Acts and every book that we go through once a week for 10 weeks. I'm more interested in you knowing God's word than I am you knowing my thoughts or opinions on it. I want you to have read every single word that we're going through here 10 times on your own, and then I'm reading it once for you on this podcast. If you're going through the Bible studies, we have a printed version of the book of Acts. It's the same thing. I'm giving you commentary in the books that I write on these things, but I'm encouraging more, more than anything else to read the book that we go through 10 times in 10 weeks. Having read God's word 10 times more than you're listening to someone else talk about it, that's incredibly powerful. Because then you, you can start to make decisions on that. 
one of the, the biggest problems we face in the church today is there's so many competing voices out there vying for our attention. And they're confusing because they're coming from all different angles for different reasons. And, and you know, there, there's all of these different things at play that want to tell us, you know, do this. No, this is true. This is true. And it's, and it's so confusing. And I teach a lot of young people um, every day. And I see the confusion that can arise because of all of these competing voices. And if we're not rooted and grounded in God's word, how will we know what's actually true? We have to be rooted and grounded in God's word. And we have to be willing to go back to God's word to understand what's true anytime we're faced with all of these competing voices. That's something that, again, only the people in Berea did. The Sanhedrin here haven't done it. Nobody's doing that throughout the book of Acts. Verse 22. Then Felix, who is well acquainted with the way, adjourned the proceedings. When Lysias the commander comes, he said, I will decide your case. He ordered the centurion to keep Paul under guard, but gave him some freedom and permit uh, and permit his friends to take care of his needs. Uh, this is, like in these days, uh, a lot of times in, in jails and prisons, they threw you, locked you in the dungeon, and it was up to someone who actually cared enough about you to feed you and things like that. It was, things were pretty bad. And that's not always necessarily the case, but here he's basically saying, we're not going to feed you the gruel that they give you in the prison. We're going to kind of keep you under house arrest. We're going to keep you arrested but we're going to let you have some freedoms. You can come and go a little bit and your, your friends can come take, help take care of you. Essentially, it's what's going on. Verse 24. Several days later, Felix came with his wife, Drusilla, who was Jewish. He sent for Paul and listened to him as he spoke about faith in Christ Jesus. As Paul talked about righteousness, self-control, and the judgment to come, Felix was afraid and said, that's enough for now. You may leave. Now, I want to pause right there. I find it interesting what Paul, Luke is saying here, what Paul would talk about with Felix, right? He's not necessarily making a defense of his claim. I think we're going to see here that Paul understands what's going on and that none of this at this point, at some point, none of this is about Paul's claims about the other people's claims. None of this, it, it, the, the legal case ceases to be important anymore at all. This is a political move and, and, and this is, it's a mess. It's an absolute mess. And so Paul knows, I, I bet pretty quick that there's no point in making his case anymore. And so what he turns to is he, he's talking about righteousness, self-control and the judgment to come. I find that very interesting that he's talking to the guy that has the ability to release him. He's talking about behaving righteously. He's talking about self-control. There's so many voices nowadays that would say, you know, no one in the New Testament talks about these kinds of things. That We have perfect liberty in Jesus, and, and essentially we can just do whatever we want to and kind of get away with it. Sin isn't a big deal anymore because Jesus paid for all of that, and we don't have to worry about any of that anymore. And 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 really there's there's a, actually a lot of surprising amount of teaching nowadays where it's it's essentially the gospel gives us license to be licentious, where we can do anything we want. Paul himself even, even says, people that teach this, and they taught this back in his day, people that teach this, their condemnation they're going to receive from God is justified because that's not true. And here we see Paul even talking to Felix saying, 
you know, he's preaching self-control. He's preaching righteousness. He's preaching, you know, the judgment seat of God that's coming, that every single person will one day stand before the creator of heaven and earth. That's what he's, he's preaching to Felix. I find that fascinating. Um, our culture just, and, and, and really so many cultures throughout history have wholesale rejected that. But even, even the a, a growing percentage of the church today rejects some of these notions that Paul is very clearly teaching here. Continuing on, when I find it convenient, I will send for you, verse 26, at the same time, he was hoping that Paul would offer him a bribe, so he sent for him frequently and talked with him. Again, this is just how corrupt all of this is. They can essentially get away with whatever they want when these when Jews and all these people are involved in this. And here's here's where it what it really comes down to, verse 27. When in two years had passed, Felix was succeeded by Portius Festus. But because Felix wanted to grant a favor to the Jews, he left Paul in prison. So Felix is just all kinds of corrupt. He's keeping Paul in prison. He's wanting a bribe from him. And because Paul's not giving to him and because he wants to basically grant a favor to the Jews and gain favor with the Jews, maybe help him govern this area, he's just going to let Paul rot in prison. And so Paul is the political football in, in this story where he's getting bounced back and forth for other people's interests. How terrible is this? Imagine being Paul, someone who's used to going around and preaching the gospel. He's been all over the world and now he's stuck here in Caesarea for two years on false pretenses, false accusations, and he can't do anything about it. It's completely out of his control. How would you feel if this was you? I know if it was me, I'd feel pretty terrible. I'd be pretty angry. And maybe Paul was angry. Maybe he wasn't. It's not 100% clear. I think we'll see in some of his responses coming up that he's maybe at least mildly frustrated. But he also knows what the Lord, the Lord's assignment for him. So he knows what's coming. He knows that the Lord is going to fulfill his word to him. And that's where the rest of the book of Acts is going to take us. For the 10-Week Bible Study, I'm your host, Aaron Hibbs, and I can't wait to see you next time. Hey, thanks for tuning into the 10-Week Bible Study podcast. If you've enjoyed this podcast, would you consider leaving a review for it on your podcast app of choice? It really helps other people find out about this podcast, and my heart is for people to fall in love with God's word. Thank you.